Hi everyone, I'm Colby Horton. And I'm Frank Himata. And we'd like to welcome you to this episode of Engaging in the Next, an original podcast from Association Briefings where we talk about what's next for the association community when it comes to technology, Marcom strategy, people, membership, and money. Colby, I teased it a few episodes ago, but that day has finally come. This is our 20th episode. Oh, wow. I assume you put in some sound effects there, so perfect. So we get to hear a lot about other people's stories, about their starts in the association world, but what's yours? Well, first of all, congrats on putting up with me for 20 episodes. That's that's great. But okay, so I started as a beat writer for the Shorthorn, the official college newspaper of the University of Texas at Arlington, Go Mavericks. Um, I always thought I was going to be the next Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, but here I am recording podcasts with you, sir. Also shocking news, newspapers didn't pay so much. Uh, But I found an ad for a communications specialist for an association in the area. In the classified section of the newspaper, mind you, I applied, got the job, and I haven't looked at another industry since. Inspiring stuff, Colby. And that's that's kind of ironic because I, too, was a contributor my university paper as well. See, air quotes scare me, Frank. Why are you using air quotes when you say that? Well, I wasn't technically on staff, but a lot of my writing was included in the school paper. Again, more air quotes. Um, I feel like there's a lot you're leaving out here. Well, Colby, the, the thing is this, you know, perhaps there was an opinions area in the paper and perhaps several of my aliases would provide engaging content for fun. So you, air quotes, Frank Humada never contributed. I mean, sometimes, but the majority of the times, it was a Robin Williams movie character name that would submit this content. Jeez. I really don't know how this segues into our podcast guest, but you know, a quick preview. We'll be talking to another actual journalist for her university newspaper who now works in the association world. You know, Frank, I think we can all agree that associations rely on clear and compelling messaging to engage members, uh, to advocate for their causes, to achieve their mission, to acquire new members. And behind every successful communication strategy, there's a dedicated communications team working tirelessly to craft and deliver messages that resonate with their target audience. And no matter how great the technology is, These teams must navigate a maze of obstacles to ensure their efforts are not only heard, but also genuinely impactful. We'll be talking the future of Association Marcom, including segmentation, AI, social media, and spoiler alert, we've got a little Yacht Rock talk happening as well. So Frank, who do we have on the show today? Well, but today we have Marley Hall, who is a Director of Communication and Member Services at the National Motor Freight Traffic Association. Marley's responsible for the planning, coordination, implementation, and oversight of a cohesive communication and outreach strategy and serves as the primary source for the release of information from the NMFTA through various channels. When Marley is not exploring her current city of Alexandria, Virginia, you'll find her attending to her family's 250-acre beef cattle farm or reading books on the beach in North Ocean City, Maryland. Welcome to the podcast, Marley. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. 
We're glad to have you. Marley, I've known you for several years now, and I think you have one of the more enjoyable stories about your journey into the association world. So could you please kick things off by, by telling that for our audience? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I graduated from West Virginia University with a degree in print journalism, uh, worked for a daily newspaper, you know, obviously passion about communications and informing the public. It's exciting to kind of be a quote unquote watchdog in a, in a sense. And of course, I learned to wear a lot of hats while there. And it went from things like designing the front page of the newspaper to taking photos at a community event. And I even had the opportunity, which you never want to do, is to run downstairs and literally say, stop the presses. Um, as you can imagine, we're churning out 30,000 newspapers at any given moment. And those steel drums, they don't stop too quickly. So that's something that you never wanted to do, but uh, but it is something, again, it kind of instilled a great work ethic in me. So yeah, daily newspaper, worked for a B2B magazine for a while, and then I ended up in trucking actually about 10 years ago. I worked for the Truckload Carriers Association based in Alexandria, Virginia. It's funny because the executive director of my current job at NMFTA, her and I worked together at TCA, and she actually found my resume, so I did not apply for the job. We joke now because she says, I like your last name. It was Riggs, kind of like big rigs and trucking. So that's how that started. Uh, and my love for trucking kind of blossomed 10 years ago. So uh, as shared, I'm with NMFTA now. That stands for National Motor Freight Traffic Association. And again, to this day, I wear many, many hats. As do most people in the association world, right? <laughs> exactly. I got to say, every movie I've seen, and even in J school, anytime they got to call, you know, stop the presses, it was so exciting. But you just said that it just gave me this huge pit in my stomach. So, yes, uh, and the stomachs of all the other people that are down there pressing the levers and the buttons. So, yes, exactly. It's not as glamorous as everyone thinks, right? No, not at all. <laughs> so, obviously, your career has centered on communications. Could you elaborate on ways in which communication with members has evolved over the last few years and maybe some of the current communication challenges your association or the or associations in general may be facing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so 10 years ago, you know, I remember it like day one at TCA and we did email, electronic newsletters. We had a print and digital magazine. And still to this day at my current association, it is still about the same. So, of course, emails, newsletters. But just a few months ago, we actually built a blog where now we have our own generated content. It can be about our products, our programs, our cybersecurity conference. And really, we've used this as a way to elevate current speakers, past webinar speakers, just to kind of make ourselves the experts at the things that we're really good at. So I'm um, having that content, you know, obviously SEO, so that helps in that regard. But as we look to the future, I guess, user-generated content is going to be part of the marketing strategy. So a way to advertise our products, plus new products and services, but having those customer reviews, testimonials on our website or landing pages, and also kind of using those again on our blogs, I think can increase the sales and involvement in NMFTA. In yeah. I think user-generated content is is huge right now. And it it's mm -hmm. from the written word, it's from videos, it's from you know, podcasts in general. Mm -hmm. But just hearing, seeing, reading the voices of those who have used the product yeah. or are members of an association goes so much further. 
And then the association actually just, you know, writing stuff down about themselves. So I think user-generated content is is definitely a way to go. Yep. And I'd like to go back to your biggest challenge because we do have one. And that is, it can be the same for your listeners as well, but the sheer volume of emails mm-hmm. that a person receives, not just each day, but each hour. And believe it or not, we're taking it back to direct mail. That's right. Postcards, flyers. We are literally hitting the mailboxes of our members, our participants, prospects um, about not only our membership meetings, but also our cybersecurity conferences. So really those things that are in person and both of which are in October. So for us, our slate of events is jam packed as with most in October. So again, we're just trying to find ways to cut through the clutter of an inbox. And this so far has done well for us. As you can imagine, we put a QR code on there, which then syncs up with Bitly so we can track where the postcards are landing, who's interested. So not a lot of conversions as of yet, but again, we have seen a few. That's so great. It's, it, it goes full circle. You know, we, we were so digitally focused for so long, but the impact is starting to happen again on direct mail. And you've kind of combined the two, adding the QR code, I think, in there. Mm-hmm. You know, really obviously helps out because I think the the main thing people always say about direct mail is you can't track conversions, but now you, you can. can now. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So that, that's that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. We'd like to probably follow up with you and see how those mailings have helped or what kind of feedback you're getting and just get some insight there as well. Exactly. Yep. I'd be happy to. Marlon, are there any other tools or technology you're using to get your association's message out? We are, yes. So I implemented HubSpot when I arrived. We did not have an email marketing automation tool, nor did we have an AMS. So this basically pacified our needs to date. We also uh, have received about 20% open rates on nearly all our communications through HubSpot. With some of our newsletters actually receiving about 30%. So we do pride ourselves on using kind of highly targeted lists in a way, because again, just the sheer volume of things that are going out. And we do use Zoom Info to help curate our lists. So um, that has proved to be very helpful. Also, as you can imagine, we are increasing our brand awareness through paid and earned media with trucking publications to further kind of reach out, create a buzz. And one of a recent headline read, we're not your grandfather's association. So it's really kind of reinforcing that we are kind of blossoming. It's a new day at NMFTA where we still kind of hold on to those core values and what really made us an association, but we're also doing some great things and that hopefully you come along for the ride. Yeah, I think we're going to discuss some points that, that you just brought up on bringing those emerging professionals into the association as a whole. But I want to piggyback off of what you were just talking about. Obviously, the association is segmenting their audience pretty well. I think that that probably contributes to your higher engagement rates on your email. But going back to actually crafting the message, because you can have all the tools and tech that you have, you can segment your list all you want, but it really comes down to that message, the, the crafting of that message in order to reach the right audience. So how do you craft a message for those specific segments, your emerging professionals, your veteran members, those are in the, the middle of the member journey. How do you craft those messages? 
And where do you go to put those messages out? In other words, are you, you've already talked email, but is, is social a big part of putting your message out? Is video a good component for getting your message out? Sure. So first, our membership is kind of non-conventional as we don't just have members. We have participants as well. So those who participate in our National Motor Freight Classification Program, the NMFC. But aside from those, you know, we also have subscribers to our products and non-subscribers. We've got IT Pro List for that cyber conference I mentioned. And additionally, we have SCAC users, so standard carrier alpha code. So those who are transporting goods over the border so that they can continue to conduct business. And I can keep going. So we easily have about a dozen different groups that we market to. Uh, and as you can imagine, like you said, it's kind of a challenge, but it's necessary and we welcome it. I guess first is understanding your audience. That's easier said than done, especially as sometimes it's a moving target and those people can continuously change and come in and out of roles and you don't necessarily have the same person that you used to, say, a couple years ago. But yeah, just understanding who the audience is. And you're right. Videos, graphics, carousel images, all that on social media has really, um, we've seen a lot of impressions. Uh, and speaking of social media, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't kind of share that that's a way that we do share a lot of the content. There is a need in the LTL industry where we're looked upon as the experts and our followers increased 100%. Wow. Yeah. So there is a need and a desire for the content, like the blogs and such that we're putting out. People just, they look to us as a resource. So uh, we're pretty happy to tout some numbers like that. That's great. And, and I think it also... It shows the power of social media within the association community as well. And just engaging with and relating to the members on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we join social media accounts to communicate and stay up to date and talk to our friends and, and all that. Well, the same thing is true on the association side. And your members want that connection with the organization as well. So let's not ever dismiss social media. It certainly should always be a part of uh, and associations mark on plans. Definitely. So what do you see as the future of association Marcom efforts? Sure. So there's a few things that are on our radar. Voice-enabled technology. We think that'll open up some fresh opportunities in the marketing sector. Think voice-activated chatbot. I know me, myself, I'm very excited about that because then we'll cut down on all the keystrokes and stuff that I'm doing. So less typing, more talking. So I'm going to enjoy that. And then also, after reading a few articles, it seems that around 2025, uh, it's expected that virtual reality will take a lead in marketing trends, which might be hard for some people to kind of wrap their head around right now. But, you know, imagine being able to kind of have this amazing, colorful, fun experience as you shop for some of the brands that you know and love. So it's kind of a new way to engage your audience. I'm not sure if our members and our participants will get there or if they'll really enjoy it once that comes to fruition. But I think that some associations can really thrive by using this. So, yeah, those are kind of my two. Where do you see AI playing a role in the future of association, Marcom? My question is, where don't I see AI? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that we must work in tandem. And I think that this is a very powerful tool and that we must learn to embrace it. Yeah, I think it has been rapidly progressing. And if we're not embracing the power of AI in certain situations within our Marcom ecosystem in, in the association world, then yeah, we're we're missing out. We're pretty 
we're pretty behind right now. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Marley, Colby teased a little bit earlier, but we talk a lot about how to get young professionals into associations, but how do we get young professionals to work for associations? <laughs> I love this question. If you would have shared this question with me 10 years ago and, and put me where I am today, I wouldn't have believed you. I had no idea what an association was whenever I was in my 20s after I graduated college. I think that more proactive outreach and testimonials uh, in the mainstream media would help, possibly an entire section on, say, Indeed, job posting sites, even LinkedIn, kind of dedicated to association positions and jobs that might be out there. But just in general, there needs to be a more general awareness of the opportunities that can exist in the association space because I've loved it since day one. So I think that, uh, again, that general awareness would really be something that we need to consider. I think you echo the sentiments of a lot of people. We all get into the association space and we don't want to get out of the association space. We may jump from vendor to association or association to association or you know, just whatever the combination is there. But bottom line, we like being in this space. So we got to get them in. We got to get these young professionals in because they're not going anywhere once they're here. I, I think that we're convinced of that. Yeah. But and we kind of talked about this in our pre-show a little bit, but for these Gen Zs who are entering the workforce, associations are perfect for them because they're looking for these mission-focused organizations to work for. Yes, You're not going to find a better place in an association to gain that knowledge, to gain that experience. And yeah, we got to get them in. What would you say to an emerging professional about working in the association space? You tapped into it earlier, passion. There's something that you really see as something, you know, morally, you know, that kind of levels up with your um, values. There is an association for you to work at. It's clear as day. Um, if you just browse around and look to see who's hiring, uh, it might surprise you. And I often make a joke that if I didn't work for the trucking association that that I love, I would probably be at the snack food association. Or maybe the amusement park association. So again, those sound like a blast, right? So anywhere that I can really not only share my craft, help with the communications uh, to get their brand and, and recognition and stuff, give it the attention that it needs, and also having some fun and really uh, enjoying what I do. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. There is an association for everything, right? Yes. So Marley, thanks, thanks for being a part of this. We appreciate your time today. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, We'd like to put you in the hot seat, though. One last time in the final segment, we like to call the Briefings Minute. So we're going to fire off a series of questions just to learn a little bit more about you. Give us the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. If you're on a four-hour drive and you could only listen to one Yacht Rock song for the duration of the trip, what would it be? Ooh, let's go with Sailing by Christopher Cross. Solid choice. Now, Marley, you recently had a team-building event at an immersive gaming studio where you competed in the same games from the Netflix series Squid Game. Which challenge were you best at? Hold on, guys. Oh, no, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> okay. The game that I was best at was the one in which we had to move our body 
to navigate around a certain area that had bad guys inside the box. So I had to pivot and jump and move around uh, these obstacles. That sounds dumb. (laughs) You won. No, thank you. No, thank you. So knowing a few of your hobbies, are you a better scrapbooker or axe thrower? Ooh, good one. I'm going to go with scrapbooker. Okay. Mm -hmm. As a snowboarder, if you had a chance to name a ski run or a trail, what would you name it? Backbreaker. (laughs) Double diamond. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or leg breaker. See a bunny slope. (laughs) So growing up in West Virginia, tell us a fun fact about where you were raised. Yes. So on a 250-acre beef cattle farm provided a lot of open space. One of my most vivid memories while growing up on the farm was that for Christmas, whenever I was 15, I received a go-kart. So all my friends envied me. Okay, not one of our questions, but I have to ask you, who was your Mario Kart go-to character? Princess Peach. She was the fastest. That's actually mine as well. Now, (laughs) going back to West Virginia... You were living there, but you had a job in D.C. How long was that commute, and what did your morning look like? Well, I would wake up around 4.30, hop on the train to Martinsburg at 5.20. I would finally get to Union Station at 7.20. I would go from Union Station, hop on the red line, to the orange line, to Boston and Arlington, and I'd get there at 8 o'clock for my start time. And then from there, I would do it all over again in the evening, so about five hours a day, I would commute, and I did that for six months. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question. If you could reboot any 90s TV show so it could be back today, what show would that be? Seinfeld. Ooh, that'd be tough. Is that a 90s show? Yeah, that, yeah, it definitely is. Okay, great. Bring it on. Well, Marley, that's the buzzer. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. This was so much fun. Excellent. We got a lot of insight out of this episode, so thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Engaging in the Next. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact what's next in the association world. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about association briefings and how we can help you produce a podcast or a unique data-driven newsletter for your association, be sure to visit us online at associationbriefings.com. See you next time.